0: Good afternoon, Church at the Red Door. So good to see you. See you. And like, I've made this joke before, but it's too good to pass up to because it came into my mind. And good evening to some of you that get up at 3 o'clock. So, so uh, I'm one of those early getter-uppers. So uh, what a privilege to see you today. Uh, I don't know if you're, if you're, is this your first time to Church at the Red Door? Raise your hand if you don't mind. That is awesome. We can only talk about us. <laughs> we, had, we, had some, we had quite a few visitors in the first service. Uh, t- today is a momentous day for us, Church of the Red Door. It really is. Um, so at 4.30, back this evening, I know we've uh, kind of been beating this in a little bit, but at uh, 4.30 we're having uh, We'll see. I don't know what the future of Church of the Red Door holds. I really don't. Uh, I know today is a seminal day. If you go back all the way to 2016, some of you know the story but uh, I was meeting with one of my friends this week that uh, runs a publicly traded company. And, uh, and we were talking about the, the challenges of having new people come in and not being able to tell the story, tell the story, tell the story. Because otherwise, you start to move away kind of subtly from your ethos, and things change and shift. And especially, and Stevie, uh, Steve from Chick fil A even alluded to that a couple of weeks ago. You know, when corporates bring in 170 new people, how do you tell that story? And they come in with their ideas and this and that and all of a sudden. So you just kind of have to tell the story and tell the story. And especially for us when it's a God story, it can be so profound and it increases our faith. And this is essentially a book of retelling the story, retelling the story, retelling the story. So in 2016, uh, we we had determined to have a drop dead date of June 30th. And we were, if it goes past June 30th and we don't have a place to meet, Church of the Red Door will not launch and we, we wouldn't be sitting here today, honestly. Uh, we just didn't know where there was going to be a place. We knew and we had over 300 people that came day one. Now, a lot of that ministry had been being done and things through the desert in small group fashion, but we'd never really come together. We didn't know how many people were going to show up. We knew we needed something about this size. We couldn't really get too much smaller, but we did, certainly didn't want to get bigger and we just didn't feel like our demographic could really be the demographic that sets up chairs at a junior high. Nothing wrong with that, but I just wasn't the people that, you know, I personally had been ministering to. We just thought that was going to be challenging, and we were down to the line, and finally we said, look, we have to set a drop-dead date, and if the Lord doesn't show up by this date, then we don't launch. <clears throat> I believe, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I was in Europe at the time, and June 29th, we had no place to meet. June 30th, we signed the contract to come to UCR. We only had a three-month contract to be able to come in here. And we look back at that now for that team, that launch team, and we just say, wow, unbelievable. And it's a little bit like what we're talking in the story with the wilderness. Look what God did. Oh, but we're not sure He can do it again. Let me just be clear. God can do, again, if it's his passion, if it's his desire and his will for Church of the Red Door to continue, then we will get a place. Well, no, excuse me, we will get a presence in the valley. We have a place, but we don't have a presence. And so today is a very significant day. So 430 tonight, we want, if you consider Church of the Red Door your home, If even if you're a live streamer, you know, I was so blessed this week, we had, we had multiple checks come in this week for the land for people that live thousands of miles away from here and i'm not talking about little checks i'm talking about a forty five thousand dollar check and a thirty thousand dollar check for people that live stream i mean it's just unbelievable isn't it i mean so the point is we're not doing this for any other purpose than we feel like god's called us to do it and we're going to talk about that we're not going to revision this thing tonight i'm going to give you just a little ten minutes we're going to give you an update give me a few people that care about the church and we will be out of here before Brad Pitt does not get his Oscar award. So I'll just tell you that that's all that's all going to happen. That's all going to happen. I don't know anything about movies. I haven't seen one of the movies, so I'm just I just saw that he was up for something. So um, uh, anyway, so we're back. We're looking at about uh, from about 4:30, and then we'll just be kind of mingling, and then five o'clock, boom, and then and then we'll be out by 6:15. So that's the story. You're going to want to be here, and we're excited about that tonight everybody get that? And then lastly, because I will be punished severely by Constance, our special teams, we have a women's breakfast coming up. Uh, is it March 14th? Is that correct? I believe March 14th. And we need women volunteers desperately, like over 40, over 40 for the women's breakfast. So if you have any Sense of dignity. No, I'm just kidding. No, if you just go up and sign up with Constance afterwards, all right? So now we need to pray and I need to make all kinds of confessions. Okay, so Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to meet here at UCR. We love meeting at this facility. This has been the launch point for Church at the Red Door now for over three years. It's just unimaginable how fast time goes. It truly is. We are like the grass of the field. As Isaiah had seen in the flowers, we are here today and gone. But Lord, generations, generations can be impacted by the message of the gospel and through a building, uh, generations after we're gone. So we, we give tonight to you, we, we put it, we entrust it to you, and this morning, Lord, we give you this morning. Lord, we, we so need your spirit in navigating the waters uh, of crossing the Jordan. We are crossing the Jordan today and then we're getting into strategy next week, but we're crossing the Jordan. Be with us, speak to us each individually. Wherever we are, there's some that just haven't even come out of Egypt maybe in here. Some that are in the wilderness, some that have been in the wilderness for too long, some that have crossed years ago. Lord, but you can speak to each one of us individually. It's the power of your spirit and that's what we're asking for in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's where we left it. We left we left Moses on a mountain, about to die, and not actually see the the advancement of the Israelites into the land. You do understand that Moses is a prefiguring, a type, if you will, of Jesus who would come. How so? Moses goes into Egypt, a type of the world, confronts Pharaoh, a type of Satan, does signs and wonders to persuade Finally, the, those who were in captivity were released, went through their baptism, Paul says, went out and met a rock in the wilderness. Jesus was the rock as well. So Jesus is kind of everything. We're going to see that he was the bronze serpent. We're going to see that he was the rock. We're going to see that he was a Moses figure. All these, because when Jesus said in John 5, Moses was writing about me, Moses is, tri- the first five books, the Pentateuch or the Torah is attributable to Moses. That's where we left him, but he's going to die on a mountain. Sound familiar? Who died on a mountain before the gospel ran around the world and began to go around? Well, Jesus died on a mountain before the gospel went forward, and that's what we're going to see. Before we do, it's important to see again. I had been quoting 1 Corinthians 10 quite a bit. These things, the Exodus template, if you will, were written for our instruction. You can be a teenager here today, you can be someone who's 100 years old, they're still for our instruction written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul also says something similar to this, but with a different result added, Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Now notice, for whatever was written in earlier times, what was written in earlier times, what we would call the Old Testament. Okay? Not the New Testament hasn't hadn't come into being. So what was written in earlier times was written for our, the church is the our, instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, the Old Testament, we might have hope. If you came in here today and you feel hopeless, you've got a physical thing that's left you hopeless, you've got a relationship, maybe even a spouse relationship, you've got children or grandchildren or whatever, you've got all these things and you just feel a business or a Whatever it is, whatever challenge you have, these things that we're going to be talking about were written for your instruction to give you hope, to give you hope. Well, where did we leave Moses? Well, we left him on a mountain. Deuteronomy chapter 34. This is the passing of the torch, okay? So Jesus, Moses would go up on a mountain to die and then... The kingdom, if you will, at that time, a physical kingdom with a physical people would go into a literal, physical land, and now Jesus is going to do the same thing. Fifteen hundred years or so later, Jesus would go up onto a mountain to die, and he would also commission those that were Jordan crossers, and they would be sent right out and into their calling. Still happening today. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Start here, now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, that's what you can see behind me, that is literally Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah which is opposite Jericho and the Lord showed him all the land. Now we're going to draw our parallel, Gilead as far as Dan and Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea and the Negev and the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar, okay? So that's what he did. He came up, he went to the mountain, and here the Lord's showing him, I'm gonna give you all this land. Now, why was that land important? Because God had a plan for that land. What was that plan for that land? Well, just, you know, wipe out all these other people and genocide, and that's why I don't believe in the Bible. No, that was not God's plan for the land. God's plan for the land was to save the world and to bring his own son into one of their tribes, a specific tribe, the tribe of Judah, and he would be dying on a mountain in that land. That's why that land was important. Now could they have understood that? Could Moses have really understood? Could have Abraham in the original days leave where I leave where you are and go to a land that I will show you. Did they understand that? He did understand generically in Genesis 12 that somehow in his seed, Abraham, living before Moses, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He knew that, but I don't think he could have possibly conceived that Jesus was going to come and, and that God was going to take on human flesh in the form of Jesus, not different forms, not modalism, but it's Jesus, and he's going to take on human flesh and empty himself of his, of whatever that means, and that's debatable, but Philippians, he's going to empty himself. He's equal with God, but he's going to empty himself and take the form of a bond slave and die on that land on Now, not Mount Nebo, Jesus would be on Mount Moriah, but again, Moses is on a mountain about to die and Jesus would be on a mountain about to die before the kingdom went to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus had said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm only here for a very specific moment in time for a purpose, but eventually that message is going to go to the ends of the earth and he's going to commission them to do that. Those we are calling crossers. Someone in the first service, she came up to me and she said, you know what? crossers and I said Jordan crosser I said yeah I don't want people to think I'm talking about cross dressing or something crossers he said no crossers are the cross and I go oh that's good I didn't really think of that are you a crosser are you part of the cross they cross that Jordan and where do they go they go into their calling they go into a war zone now when I read this see I say look I understand that land had a purpose, Gilead as far as Dan and Naphtali as far as Ephraim. But let me tell you something. When I see this, how does it apply to me for my instruction? Fellowship of Christian Athletes was started a number of years back, quite a few years back. It had gone completely dormant here in the valley. And Greg Solis and I helped a guy named Donnie D. who would eventually become the executive director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Kansas City for a while. And Donnie D. came and said, we need, we need to get this launch. Will you help us do it? And we did. And then I know some of the guys that he would bring in, not the least of which was Marty Jacobus, he would drive them up and they would drive up 74 and go and camp out up on this mountain. And you know, that overlook, some of you have been up there and it's beautiful, right? At night, it's beautiful, but during the day, it's beautiful. And you can see kind of most of the desert cities. I don't know if you can see all the way around the corner into Mecca, Coachella, but I know that you can see most of the desert cities. And he would say, let's He said, This could be ours. Think of all the fellowships, groups, all the camps we could do, all the huddles we could do. Think of just, think of all, we could be in every one of these schools. Think about that. This is all essentially God was doing with Moses. Here's the land I'm going to give you. So when I read this, I don't read in Dan and Naphtali and Ephraim, I think Bermuda dooms. I look between, you know, you know, Monterey or whatever or Jefferson and all the way out to the interstate and, and I think very specifically and very concretely about this. If it's for my instruction, he's not asking me to literally go back into Israel, although we are involved at Church of the Red Door in that physical land with Israel College of the Bible. But I think about where I live. Why? Because listen to what he goes on and says. He says, then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you're not going to go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Now, what was the word of the Lord? You're not going to go in. Now, why couldn't Moses go in? Because he was called to speak to the rock, not strike the rock. Now, Paul's already told us the rock was Christ. What, was, what happened there? It was a prefiguring of the cross. Jesus was the cornerstone. He was the rock. Is, he said Israel's going to stumble over, this, over the cornerstone. They're going to stumble over the rock. They're going to miss him. They're not going to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. But because of that, it's going to spread out and go to all the nations and all the world, even as far as Palm Desert, California. In 2000, can you imagine, 2020? Wow, it's so crazy to even say that. Yeah, that's what had God had in mind. According to the word of the Lord, Jesus died on a mountain. According to the word of the Lord, Moses died on a mountain. And it all revolved around the cross. A prefiguring of the cross and then the actual cross. Now, what's fascinating is that the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Moses is now off the picture. Who's going to pick up the torch? A Jordan crosser. There were only two from the original set. You know, we've talked about it. A number of weeks back, we talked about it. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yefuneh. These two had a spirit that was indomitable. These two were like, we are going into the war zone. We can take these guys. The Bible simply says, now Joshua. Moses is dead. The son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Something we find out about crossers. These are the characteristics and qualities of the crossers. This is important. What we're looking at today is what are the characteristics of those who are cross people, crossers of the Jordan, those who are willing to go into a war zone? What are those qualities? Well, he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. That's a prefiguring of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Moses had laid his hands on him. They're commissioned people. They're people that God commissions. Men don't have to commission you. For you to walk into the fullness of your gift... You don't necessarily have to be commissioned. You're commissioned by the Lord God himself. Now, in the context of a church or something, it's important that you don't, you know, I guess we could just have people running up here on stage and, you know, hey, give me that. Give me that microphone. Give me that microphone. I mean, there is somewhat of a commissioning. But in the, in the end sense, you don't have to be seminary guy or you don't have to do whatever. Walk into the fullness of your giftings, something Pastor Seaford has been teaching. Those 50, I'm going to tell you, those 50 that were up there uh, between services, some of you may be part of that, they came down and they were like, this is incredible. This is really helping me understand. I didn't even realize. I mean, my goal is that either through video or through you actually being in Cephas' class, that every single one of us will go through this gifting class. Why would you want to go through a gifting class? Because you want to cross the Jordan. You want to understand your calling. It says, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. In other words, when there's a commissioning, people start to fall in line with the torch passers the jordan crossers why natural leadership is evident so uh, what happened here well there was a laying on of hands there was a commissioning there was a spirit filling if you will and then the people responded in complicity with the new leadership if you've got to force people to follow you then you have a problem these people naturally came under joshua now the question is why why would people naturally come under Joshua? Well, here are the characteristics of the crosser. You don't have to stand up and beat your breast and, and tell everybody that this is your gift or that it's your leader in the kingdom or anything. You don't need calling cards or you don't need, you know, bobsmith.com, you know, or any other thing, whatever. You don't need any of that. All you need are these qualities and people will naturally, newborn kids in the kingdom will naturally begin to look for your coverage, look for your leadership. So the qualities, well, last thing. This is important. Right before we go, right before we see these qualities, I want you to see that this is one of the first big mistakes we make, especially as newborns. We want to materialize the spiritual. Now, what do I mean by that? We want to, we'll do anything other than have to walk in a realm that is unseen. It's hard walking with God when we can't see him. We can't literally hear his voice, although some say they have actually heard God's voice. I never have. I know His voice now, I know it well, I've, and I'm, I do the best I can to listen to it daily, moment by moment. That's why Paul says, I, pr- I pray without ceasing. In other words, there's a dialogue, a connectivity between God and myself. That's what Paul was claiming. I want that. I don't always do that perfectly, but that is my intention. But what people do when they have to walk in the unseen realm and in the invisible realm, they want to try to get something that they can see. Moses goes away to get the, ten, you know, to speak with God. They wait a little bit. We need to worship something we can see, and so the golden calf emerges under Aaron's leadership. That was the, you know, historic place, crashing the Ten Commandments down, and because they were already having to worship something they could see. Do we do anything different? We do the same thing. Even among evangelicals, we come in, we get we get somebody who has a particular gift, all right? We give honor where honors do, but somebody has a gift, usually in the context of a religious organization, it's someone probably in the pulpit or something like that. So we want to materialize that, and all of a sudden we're given the kind of deference that we need to be giving to God to that person. We need to materialize the spiritual. That's crazy. We all just have different gifts. We're all in a journey. We're all a family. I can promise you I have no, not zero, zero belief in anything uh, about myself other than someone who is a fellow journeyer with a gift alongside your gifts, don't try to materialize the spiritual and don't in any way put the kind of glory towards any spiritual leader or anything that is only, only Jesus deserves that, only. But it didn't take them long. Now, if you remember back in their wilderness wanderings in Deuteronomy, excuse me, in Numbers chapter 21, it was a strange story, only three verses. They were there and they were being uh, bitten by fiery serpents. Why? Because they were grumbling and moaning. So the Bible says that, God sent fiery serpents. Now, serpents are always a picture of what? Always a picture of Satan. Always, always have been. S- serpent in the garden, some kind of reptile, s- serpent in the end, the dragon and all that. So here they are, and they're being, and this, this means this poisonous snakes, right? And, they're, and people are dying. What do we do? Moses asked God, here's what you do. Get a standard. Well, I've preached on this before. Get a standard. Put, put a snake up there. So they built a bronze Uh, thing, a serpent, and they put it up on top of the standard, and they held it up, and they walked around the camp, and all you had to do was look towards that, and you would be healed, or you wouldn't be bitten anymore, or you would survive. Now, obviously, that's Jesus. In fact, Jesus, we know it's Jesus because Jesus said, that was me. He's having a conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he said, as the Son of Man was lifted up, as the serpents were lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You get this picture of this standard with these serpents winding around it, and all they had to do was look towards that, and they would be okay, right? not that powerful? So Jesus said, that was me. Well, what do they do? What do we do? Well, it didn't take very long, a few hundred years. King Hezekiah finally comes along. Uh, he's living uh, roughly 700 years before the time of Jesus, uh, at least 700 years removed from Moses. Well, guess what they had done? Rather than, okay, that was just a symbol and here we are. Uh, where, is those, where are those bronze serpents? Let's worship, burn incense, do anything we can because they're trying to materialize the spiritual leaders in the spiritual across or understands that i'm going into a battle that nobody else can see what i'm doing in fact i'm going to go in i might be right here in my own country club or in my business or in school or wherever and my friends they don't know there's a battle going on people think people are crazy when they're involved in something that they can't see anything like are you crazy A God you can't see and all that, yeah, that's what we're called to do. We walk by faith, the Bible says, and not by sight. We don't walk according to what we see. We walk according to what we can't see. But we are not comfortable doing that because some people think we're crazy when we're having an engagement with a deity or a power or God himself or the Holy Spirit who's invisible. Sounds like a fairy tale. So what do they do? Well, 2 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah starts tearing down all the high places. And in the process, what does he have to do? Second Kings 18, 4, Hezekiah removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it. And it was called the Necushtan. They're like, oh, oh. It must have power in it. It's got to, anything but to have a relationship with an invisible God. See, leaders who go into the war zone realize it's going to be a war zone that oftentimes only they can see. And they're comfortable with that, fighting a battle, not against the physical people, taking a physical land, taking spiritual souls one step at a time. So what are the qualities? It's powerful. Exodus 24, verse 13. Number one, do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you if you see Jesus as your Savior. He is. If you believe, all, you, all you're all called to do is look upon and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look upon that bronze serpent who took all... Why a serpent? Because he took our sin for us and then he gave us his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he takes all my nasty little life. He puts it on Jesus. Jesus becomes the serpent, if you will. Not literally, but he took on the sins of the world. The Father pours out his wrath on Jesus as our sin bearer. And then he gives us back his clothing of righteousness not a good deal you say it's not i don't see what he gets out of that well i tell you what he gets out of it. he gets a family eternally committed to him a crosser of the jordan sees jesus as more than a savior sees jesus as a servant see bible simply says so moses arose with joshua moses is the type of christ arose with joshua his servant and moses went up to the mountain of god do you identify as a servant of Jesus or just as Jesus as your Savior? If, you, if you're Jesus your Savior, there's a season for that. Beautiful. Let's, let's understand all the means and understand the complexities of all that, understand atonement, fall in love with Him, and all those kinds of things. But at some point, there is a massive shift, and you get, leave the wilderness and you say, Jesus is now in charge 100% of my time, my money, everything I am, every, all talents that I have. If he tells me to go, I go. If he tells me to jump this high, I jump that high. If he tells me to go over there, if he tells me to do this, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that in someone. I can see that. And now after doing this for a long time, I'm able better to discern whether someone needs to be, you know, it's beautiful. They've come to know Jesus, or I've also been able to determine whether they're still spiritually dead. They may be in church, but I can tell you can just sense that they don't have even understand that Jesus is their Savior. Somehow they're working their way to God. And you have to be able to discern this. How can you help people if you don't know what their, what their ailment is or where they are in their lives? We got a new dog this week. <laughs> actually, uh, I, I don't know that we actually have this dog. I hope we have this dog, I believe it or not. Um, his name's Rocket. And I looked at Laura the other day. And I said, man, I like this dog. And everybody kind of went, can he stay here? i like, I like this dog. Let's keep this dog. So uh, I don't know if he'll end up staying with us. But it's interesting, when Rocket comes in, the other two big dogs, they, they get along fine and they don't, but there's a little bit of kind of eh, a little standoff or a little something like that. But we had a dog like that, I told you uh, a number of weeks back, that was the same size, the same everything, but he was dying. And what my daughter Tatum told me is that those dogs can sense when another dog's dying and they didn't have any, there was no, you know, it was, there was no standoff territorialism because they could sense that he was dying or dead and he only lasted a month. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's probably a good analog. When you're around somebody, oh, they're nice people and this and that, can't, do you have spiritual discernment? Can you see that they're spiritually dead? And then the question is, do you have a passion to make sure they don't stay in that state? Do you care? Now, if you don't, then the place that you go next is not to say, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Let me tell you where you get the caring. And that is the next verse that we'll go to, which is Exodus 33 11. And it's simply this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Moses would come into a tent and God would speak to him face to face. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what that means. But all I know is there must have been light coming out of that thing and crazy and God manifests himself. Moses would come out and have to put a veil over his face because his face would be shining. It was unbelievable. And it says, just as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart the tent. Wow. Joshua was one of those guys that didn't stand afar and go, wow, some really crazy stuff going on in that tent. Moses comes out, his face, you know, light. I don't know what was going on. Some people, ooh, I don't want that. Joshua's like, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. You know, just, just let me in. And then he'd go and he wouldn't depart the tent. He wanted what Moses' experience was. He understood two things. He understood intimacy in prayer, I have no doubt, dialogue and conversation, and intimacy in worship. You can't be in God's presence and not worship. Don't imagine that one day you'll see God, quote unquote, face to face, as the Bible says in Revelation 22, and go, hey God, what's been up? <laughs> we will fall to our face like every other person that had an encounter with a living God, and the only thing, if, if, we can, if I can utter anything, it will just be worship. Crossers are intimate, they're intimate in prayer, and they're intimate in worship, and it takes a while to get to these qualities, folks. Do you understand this? Wilderness is a, 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 the wilderness is a necessary part of your discipleship. You're still having things pulled out of you that we've been talking about, and God's doing a great work in you. Just stay on there with the desire, Lord, I won in the fight. Lord, I won in the fight. Lord, I won in the fight. I will not depart your tent. I will not depart your tent. Numbers 27, verse 18. Clearly the Spirit's involved here. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands on him. Joshua. Why do you think Joshua was Spirit-filled? I would suggest to you because he wouldn't leave the tent. Some people, you know, we get into all these uh, theological arguments about how do you get the Spirit and all that. Can I just tell you, The Bible's clear in the book of Acts that they were filled continuously with the Spirit or some they had something to preach and then again they were filled with the Spirit. How do you get filled with the Spirit? How do you fill your tank up? How do you get your, our Father, give us this day our daily bread? How do you get that? Not departing the tent. The tent could be in your office. It was for me this morning. I got up, I closed, I blare the worship, I mean, and I go down to my face and I get on my face. Lord, I have no idea what to say today. You're gonna have to lead this. We got all kinds of challenges, and how in the world are we gonna get a building? And I mean we're only three year old. Who do we think we are and everything else? And I just come right back and I go, whoa, stop. God can do this. When they started and launched this crossing right after the head cross. Now, catch this, it's important. I want to go back, a little out of order here, guys, for the guys in the back, but go back to Joshua chapter 1. This is so instructive for you right here in the 21st century. It's so instructive, I just, I want to get up and shout it from a pulpit. Oh, I am in a pulpit. Okay, so so if you don't know your Bible yet, first, Pentateuch, Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then the book of Joshua. So what happens? Well... It's Joshua to me is a little bit like the Book of Acts. There's a parallel here. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this, but so you have Moses dying on a mountain, and then now how's this thing going to go to the remotest parts of the earth? How are they going to accomplish the land thing? How are they going to take the land? Well, they now we got the Book of Joshua, which is the book of activity in taking the land, and you get to the New Testament, and you get to the end of the Gospels, and now Jesus dies on a mountain. And he commissions his disciples, and he with the great commission, and and then and again at right before his ascension, and, you know, start here in Judea, Samaria, and just you know the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. And so he commissions them to go now, and then he dies on a mountain. And of course he's a, he raised, he rises from the dead and he ascends back to the right hand of the Father. Well, so did Moses in a sense. We know that Moses didn't just go away. Why would they be worried about his t- tomb and all this? we know Moses was uh, was alive again. How do we know that? Well, in Matthew 17, Jesus goes up to a mountain again and is transfigured before their eyes. And who shows up? Moses and Elijah. So Moses too was resurrected. Had to be. How did he get there in the New Testament? So Joshua starts. Well, the book of Acts starts and they have the Spirit and they, and they get their marching orders and then they go. And then it's the it's how the church expands outside of just Israel and all the way, and the book of Acts concludes, gets us all the way to Rome. Doesn't get us all the way to the Coachella Valley, though. Do you think God's still not interested? Did he stop? Because well, Rome's far enough. No, he cares about this valley. Now listen to this. Now Verse 1, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan. Okay? This This is the Lord's call to you individually, and I believe this is the Lord's call to us as a church right now. So we'll draw both parallels. Are you ready? Cross this Jordan. And you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the sons of Israel. What land is he giving us? I'm not sure yet, but I know some of it. Now, I will also say that there is a church of the Coachella Valley. I, uh, just a couple of days ago, I got an invitation from Ricky Jenkins, the senior pastor at Southwest. And I wasn't able to do it last year. And he and his bride are having a few people over, and we're going to go over and have dinner at their home, right? Why? Because they're part of the church, Southwest. We pray for church. Jason Duff, we partnered with at the PJ Tour Outreach, you know, this last, not this year, but the year before, and we'll do it again. And uh, we support them. We pray for them. In our executive team, we pray for all these other churches. Chris Hushaw, and I can just go down a long list. As long as they're preaching the gospel lifting Jesus up and running in their lane. Go for it. And right now, we've got three. The church of Southwest is right in the middle of a, uh, a campaign. I think they're raising some money to expand their campus. Uh, Jason is right in the middle of a garden of building a new church, and here we are too. And I just say, beautiful, awesome, go for it. Everywhere the soles of your feet tread, I'll give it to you, the Lord says. And that's what we're going to read here in a minute. This is powerful? Oh, it's awesome. Verse 3, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. I have a purpose for that land, and I know you don't understand it all, but I'm going to give it to you. Now, do you think that there were people who sowed heavy seed in this valley right here? Pray, harvest, prayer, built churches, sacrificed, all kinds of things, and maybe they never saw very much. Wouldn't it have been great if they could have seen today? Unity among a lot of these churches. All churches going through building. Why are they going through building campaigns? Because they're growing and people are coming to Christ. Does that get you fired up? If it doesn't, take another lap around in the wilderness. So that the Lord can dispossess you of the things that would be more important than that. As good or bad as they may be. In fact, I didn't do this in the first service, but... I had this, uh, the Reynolds are here from Connecticut, uh, Greenwich, and they didn't get to come this year, and I was really bummed about that. But their son is a doctor, Dr. Jeffrey Reynolds, great first name, and uh, he's a doctor, and he wrote this book, Be a Rock, not just build your house on the rock, you you be the rock. Now, he's not saying you try to be Jesus, because, I mean, clearly in the book, but he does say this, and I thought it was poignant and very specific for us. He said evidence for the proposition that all people need an overarching motivating purpose and goal to keep going day after day often against much hardship is abundant when one considers the following list of typical typical interests credentials affiliations activities or causes here's what's typical you don't need jesus to do this you don't even need a spiritual understanding to do this you need purpose for your life and so here's what many of them are money wealth financial security academic degrees, intellectual elitism, prestigious or powerful jobs, careers, important titles, our spouses, our parents, or both, our children, our social and political ideological causes, our political power, our physical beauty, including fashion and clothing and sports and fitness and performing arts and fine arts and social acceptance and popularity and sex and religious, even a religious affiliation's Involvement, this is a complex and unique subject, and I'll deal with that later, he says. Now, what do all these have in common? First, it needs to be noted that these activities or pursuits are not inherently bad. The problem arises in making any of these ones overarching motivation and driving purpose for our lives. Not only is there a better ultimate purpose for which we were born, that these... But such pursuits all tend to appeal to our self-centered nature. Our desire to keep ourselves enthroned as the ultimate master over our entire life. Are those interests more important than advancing the kingdom of giving you the land that you were promised? As a church, as an individual, everywhere the soul of your foot treads. If that's still second prior to your third or fourth, take another lap around the wilderness. In grace and in love and in kindness, the Lord loves you. It doesn't mean you're not saved, it doesn't mean that you're just not ready to go into a war zone. The question is is this church ready to go to a war zone? And he, listen, he goes on, he simply says this. He says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No one can stop us. you know how many times I've been tried to be kicked out of country clubs and things? Because most of my ministerial life has been behind the walls of these clubs in this valley. Most of you know that. It's not elitism. It's just where God put me. But no man's been able to stand. We've, we've had votes and boards try to rise up and get us out of places and you can't meet here and all that other kind of stuff. And I remember, no man will be able to stand before me all the days of my life. We've had general managers that appear for a season and then say, no, he needs to be here. And then they go, okay, and then somehow the vote goes one way or the other, and then we're still there, and then, and then where'd the general manager go? And he's not there anymore, just for that season. I mean, I could give you story after story. No man will be able to stand against you. Why? Because I'm with you. And so he goes on to say, as a function of that, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you will give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. For them it was the place of Israel. For us it is spiritual property with spiritual lives. We say it in our executive teams all the time, elders, trustees, all, all those in leadership, thousands will be saved. Do you think we're just trying to play church around here? We are a missional church. Thousands will be saved. What does that mean? Not only their eternal destiny, their marriages will be saved. Their kids will be changed. Uh, generations will be changed. The great harvest will be expanded. If that doesn't get you up in the morning, take another lap around in the wilderness. You're not ready to cross the Jordan. Now, don't be offended by that. You just, come, you just go through your baptism, it takes a while. We're never perfect, by the way. Don't, don't just think it's, a, it's not until I'm perfect that I can cross the Jordan. Don't get me wrong. We're never perfect, but there has to be some substantive dethroning of priorities, old priorities, and then loving, not just doing, but loving the new priorities. Lead one person to Christ. You lead one person to Christ, you'll you'll never have a taste for anything else. You just lead one person to Christ. Or you're part of a community and you watch the transformation in someone's life that comes to Jesus, watch it one time and you'll never have a taste for anything else. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, are we into the law anymore? No, we've been transferred to a new covenant, and that new covenant is the Spirit. They had to live under the law, and that's why they failed over and over and over. And that's the story of Israel. So if you read the rest of your Bible... The history, anyway, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, you know, Chronicles and Kings and all this. It's just failure and then repentance and revival and then failure and then repentance and revival. Is that the story for the church? It's not the story for the church because we're not under the law anymore. We're under the Spirit. So what what is it for us from glory to glory? Things that we can't think or imagine. You think, well, you don't think small about church at the Red Door or any of the churches here in the vet Think big. Think about crossing. And it, and it goes on. And it goes on to say, you shall not tremble, You, don't, you know, meditate on this day and night. That's why we come here. This is what it is. So uh, the last couple of things, and then we'll close. Uh, Deuteronomy, uh, excuse me, Numbers 32, 12, catch this, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they had followed the Lord fully. Again, it's what I said a minute ago. If you identify as a servant, you're willing to do whatever he says, whenever he tells you to do it and how he tells you to do it, not just when it fits into your schedule. Are you following me? You've got to understand that it is all about his kingdom. Now, now let me just be clear. We can get legalistic about this, and anybody we feel now that does anything that is not the right priority, we're not judging each other like that. I've never judged you like that. So it's not, but in your heart, do you, you know, somebody can go and be somewhere like Jesus is with a friend of sinners, and and yet somebody, his priorities are wrong. If he really loved the Lord, then he would be in the temple or he'd be over here. He'd be, he certainly wouldn't be with those people. So don't judge each other. It's only for you to know whether your heart really is about making Jesus famous or about making yourself stay enthroned on your own throne. Only you know that. Now, over time, people can see the collection of that in your life but it's really for you so i don't judge anybody and then numbers 14 6 through 10 joshua the son of now (laughs) catch this this is the early stages they they were told to go in and spy out this new land now for them it was israel for us it's the coachella valley okay and we came back and go you don't understand There's, you know, there's wealthy people and powerful people and there's all closed facilities that you can't get into and nobody's really interested in this at all. Oh, we're going to die out here. We're not going to be able to make it. This is not going to work. Nobody's going to be interested in this. And that's what they came back and began to say. But Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. If this wasn't a $99 suit, I would, for theatrical purposes... (laughs) take this thing off, I would, I would, I'd take it off, and, or if I was strong enough, and I'd rip this thing, that's what they were doing, and then they just threw their clothes he no, this is, no, and he says, Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good, can I just tell you, this is exceedingly good spiritual territory. Do you know why? If every church was filled to max capacity twice on every Sunday, we'd reach 15% of the population during the season. We're over church. we got too many churches. Mm -mm. It's an exceedingly good land with lots of people who need to smell, smell that, smell Jesus just a little bit, just at the hint of water like Job says. They'll begin to take bloom. Just a hint of it. Are we going to be those people? Then he says this if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Why did they need courage and, and uh, not to be afraid if it was heaven? If, if the land flowing with milk and honey was heaven in your picture, you know, that's heaven one day. Why did they need courage? You don't need courage to go to heaven right? It says, Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Now, this is the key. Their protection has been removed from them. So they're tearing their clothes. They're saying, Are you crazy? No, there's giants over there. We'll never be able to take it. Are you crazy? Their protection. See, they could see into the unseen realm. Their protection's been removed. The first thing we're going to see next week is Jericho fortified walls and cities and all this other, and all the doors are shut, and they there's no way to, to get in, to take these guys. There's no way. and there's, That's just Jericho, not to mention these giants and the, you know, the descendants of Goliath and all that. I mean, I mean, you have to be, of course, Goliath comes later, but not descendants of Goliath, but the same Anakim. Goliath comes later. But the Anakim are there, these giants. We can never do this. He says, you don't understand. We see in the unseen realm, their protection has been removed from them. Now, do you see that in the valley, or do you see, uh, well, do you look at the physical? Well, they're not interested. I've invited them to come to church, and they're not interested in coming. How long have you prayed? Have you fasted for those people? Have you, I mean, do do you realize their protection? How how do we know in the New Testament their protection has been removed? Well, Colossians 2.15 simply says, When Jesus went to the cross, what happened? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Our battle is not against people. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And according to this, they've been disarmed in an ultimate sense. It doesn't mean they can't wreak havoc in people's lives. But in terms of stopping the gospel, they have been disarmed. He made a public display, having triumphed over them through Jesus. Why do we look into the unseen realm and tear our clothes of an anguish and not tear our clothes because people don't think we can have an impact in this valley. Yes, we can. Their protection's been removed. Jesus went to the cross and disarmed these forces. And then lastly, and we'll close with this, Deuteronomy 1, 35, catch this. These are the qualities of the crossers. So they're informed. I call it informed fearlessness they're not just fear, fearless because they're so courageous, they've been informed by the very character, qualities of God and watching Him provide for them for all those years. So they're informed when they're courageous. And then lastly, it's just flat-out leadership. Verse uh, 35, not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to you give your fathers. They just, they never could get out of the wilderness. They just took another lap, took another lap, took another lap, never really got interested. We're too afraid, too, didn't have any courage, whatever reason. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his sons, I will give the land on which he has set foot because he has followed the Lord fully. And then lastly, the Lord was angry with me also on your account saying, not even you shall enter there, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. More of the little ones who you said would become a prey, and your sons, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn around, set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. Here's what's going to happen. He told them right right up front, you're not going to inherit it, but they're going to inherit it. But only two of them. Why? Because they followed the Lord fully. How will we how will we become the crossers that are able to walk into the fullness of what God I believe and many of us do believe is the calling for church at the red door? We're not gonna say the whole valley, but we have a role to play. Everywhere the foot treads. Where does your where do your feet tread? Where do they your neighborhood probably? Where you go shopping. Your family, right? And the Lord said, I'm going to give it to you all. There, the protection's been taken away. I'm going to give all of this to you. Do you understand that? I still, I, I drive through clubs all the time. I don't even need to go in there. I just drive in there. I drive in there and I go, Lord, I want this. And I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to start doing now? You, you, you have my word. You see the crazy guy's getting out of his car. I'm going to go into some of these places I hadn't been. I'm going to get out of the car and I'm going to walk around like this. Lord, my feet are treading here. It's mine. According to this, you say it's mine. Their protection's been removed. There's no reason that the gospel cannot have impact right here. That's our task. So, who is the crosser? Well, I wrote this down. This is kind of the defining. Who are the crossers? Crossers, a servant-hearted, because of all the qualities we just looked at, a servant-hearted, spirit-filled worshiper, who does exactly as the Lord instructs or at least has that as his or her primary intention in life. None of us do it perfectly, trust me. And never fears the outcome because he or she realizes that the enemy has been disarmed and the spiritual ground he or she has been given will come to them. Now you're ready to cross. These are the qualities. Now, some of you... uh, may not be out of Egypt yet. You need to just look up, look up to that bronze serpent, realize that was a picture. Look to Jesus on the cross and say, I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, and I am so sorry. Will you be my savior? He will, in that moment, save you. And then you go into the wilderness, and he begins to do a deep cleansing in your soul, giving you new desires, put a new spirit, and give you a new heart. And that takes a while. And if you're in that stage, whether you be infant or toddler or little tiny baby, or teenager, but at some point you grow up, you mature in Christ, and said, let's take him. He can have everything that I am because I have a feeling if I don't give it to him, I'm not ready to cross. That is powerful. Do you understand how that's our instruction? That gets me up in the morning, and many of you as well. So our, pl- our plan is to take a next step and cross that Jordan and move into our calling. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, it, what a glorious path. This is the human template for those who believe into Jesus. We don't have to guess anymore. We can trust the Spirit to lead us into every decision. You may be here this morning, you may say, you know, I just somehow this morning I have the faith to believe, I've been coming, and you know, my spouse has been dragging me here or whatever, and somehow or online or whatever, I just believe that Jesus took my sin 2,000 years ago and he can give me his righteousness. Well, welcome to the kingdom, my friend. Now get baptized, go through the Red Sea, and begin your discipleship process. That's my admonition. Some of you have been walking around the wilderness for a long time. You're good people, you're loving but you say, wow, a lot of these characteristics don't really define me yet. I really pretty much have me on the throne still. I mean, Jesus is my Savior, and, and I do have a relationship with him, but I want more. I can tell you that's a work of the Spirit and his word. And so I would pray for you that Holy Spirit, meet them where they are and help them in the process of their discipleship and their transformation and then for those of you who say, I am ready to cross, I am ready to go, I, I do not leave me behind. We can take them because they're, they've been disarmed, their protection's been removed, and there's dying people that smell like death, and we have the answer. And for you, I say, go for it. Let's do it together. And all this is made possible by that blood on the doorpost blood on the red door. Father, we thank you. We do. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We'll prayerfully see you back here at 4.30. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. We love you.